Welcome to another episode of Ready Teacher One. I'm Adam Mangana. And I'm Ryan McLaughlin. With us this evening is Chris Madsen from Immersive VR Education. Chris, welcome to the show. We are so thrilled to have you on this evening. It is really good to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Awesome. So for our listeners that don't know about Immersive VR Education, and uh, we, we collect our audience from all sorts of folks, so some are going to be very intimately familiar with your work already, some will have never heard of Immersive VR Education. For those that don't know, tell us about the organization. Yeah, I would, I would venture to guess probably most people familiar with VR know us from the Apollo 11 project, right? Which was a Kickstarter sure. way back in the day. In fact, um, our roots, you know, our core team here has been doing social VR since two, late 2012, 2013. It's been that long. Uh, we were all, you know, early adopters of the developer kit one with Oculus. And our lead developer created a very early uh, social VR platform that really caught the interest. You know, it was like all these developers now around the world suddenly had access to this technology like we hadn't had before with the Oculus DK1, right? And uh, right. Mike Armstrong uh, put together this platform that brought us all together. And it was all of our first dive into social VR. We're like, wow, this is amazing. I remember very vividly my first experience having Mike approach me in a hallway. This is my first social VR experience and taking a couple of steps backwards, even though you really couldn't with a three-doff headset, but I did. I was like, now that's presence. Now I come from a behavioral science background, right, of 20 years. So for me, that was okay. like, I see where all of this is going. This is going to change the way we work and play and educate and all this. Well, our CEO, David and, Sa and COO, Sandra Whelan, were also part of that early crew. And so for me, it's kind of coming back to family working for Immersive VR Education. And it was during that time period where David did the Kickstarter for Apollo, that got the wheels churning, that got the interest going. And we've been developing Engage in the background this entire time over these years. So that's kind of our origins. And, you know, since then we've done the Titanic experience where you dive to the wreck. Well, first you live the experience of the Titanic going down, which is a very powerful right. experience, very emotional. I remember tearing up the first time I did that. Um, and then being able to dive through the wreckage and explore. Uh, Berlin Blitz, which we partnered with BBC uh, to, to do, where we actually use the audio. You're going to see a, a, a familiar pattern here of audio. Audio is a huge part of our experiences, right? So using the actual audio from the old way that they did the recordings back in, in those early days of the Berlin Blitz and building the experience around the actual recording. Very powerful experience. Um, and, uh, you know, the Shuttle Commander just released. So we're always doing these standoff experiences and we'll continue to do so. But Engage is, is, is what we feel is going to help contribute to changing the way we educate and communicate. And I'm so very excited about Engage personally. Um, for the last few weeks, I've gotten the chance to teach and Engage for the first time. I've been teaching a, uh, an SAT math prep class. I know you've seen that on LinkedIn, um, working with Victory XR there. And it has been just a, an indescribable experience. And I've, I've found that, you know, as I've talked to many fellow educators, teachers, principals, curriculum developers, and I tell them about this experience, 
it's hard for a lot of folks to even kind of wrap their minds around what I'm talking about. And I say like, no, 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 there's this platform called Engage. Uh, You know, we meet up on this beautiful uh, virtual campus that uh, the Victory XR folks have built out and Engage. Um, I'm in the math lab or I'm up in outer space or I'm, you know, off in a a deep dark castle and we're just talking about math and we're we're working with the 3D Miplos. But my mind is totally made up as you can tell about Engage and about the future of VR and education. Um, what can you say to our listeners who maybe aren't there yet, who are still kind of on the fence about, hey, you know, VR and education, is this just another ed tech fad? Is this gonna fizzle out or is it truly gonna change the way the world works? Well, this has always been the case with virtual reality, right? How do you explain it uh, so that a person understands that it's different from what you and I are doing right now on this Zoom call? Like a lot of people literally today, you know, virtual reality is a big buzzword and it doesn't necessarily mean today immersed with a headset. People are calling this virtual reality or a 2D experience with multiple users a virtual reality experience. And oftentimes we get calls from those kinds of people saying, hey, we want to do a virtual conference. And I'm like, well, let me first make sure you understand what you're asking for here because our version of VR might be a lot different than yours. And I explained to them, I say, you know, in our virtual reality, you can reach out and shake each other's hands and feel that physical tactile feedback of doing that. You can get on your hands and knees and crawl under a table and look up and see the gum stuck underneath the table. That's virtual reality where you are, and I always say this, and people get shocked when I say it, but tell me if this isn't true. We have the technology to teleport your consciousness to a shared digital space where we can interact with each other and the environment. That's, that's like, what did you just say? Yeah, this is where, this is the, this is what I'm talking about. When you and I were on the surface of Mars, uh, Ryan, we weren't in our living rooms. We weren't in our living rooms. We were on the surface of Mars, gathered together, highly social experience with the experts in the field, NASA solar system ambassadors, giving us the lowdown as we hiked, we hiked to the top of those mountains on Mars and overlooked that incredible landscape and shared this experience. And when the landing happened, we were popping wine. We had confetti flying everywhere and it was genuinely an emotional experience. And that's what makes it different from a screen. It's an experience, it's a shared experience. Chris, why haven't, uh, hold on Ryan real quick. Chris, why to build off of what Ryan is, 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 is talking about why haven't we seen folks uh, build out entire schools in this platform yet? What has been the barriers to folks adopting this uh, as an alternative to Zoom? So let's start out with what the barriers have been and let's talk about the fact that people are indeed building out entire campuses right now um, on not only this platform, but multiple platforms, right? So. You know, the barriers have been uh, as much as the promise was there for VR back in 2013, that was three degrees of freedom where all you had was rotational tracking. Um, It was clunky. It was nightmarishly clunky, I would say. I remember with that developer kit where when they came out with extended desktop, uh, 
you ha you'd have to literally put your eye down into the lens and turn at all kinds of crazy angles to find where your cursor was. So you would like set up icons on your screen to got, be able to guide you to where you needed to go to get to the right menu. I mean, crazy levels of friction, right? We didn't have, we did have hand tracking. It was wired hand tracking with the uh, Razor Hydras get tangled in the wires and all this craziness. So we've gone from there. Now we have, and price, let's just not even talk about the price, $2,000 for a killer computer to run it, plus the cost of the headset, all of that. Now, I still can't even believe I'm saying this, for $299, you can have a way better experience than we had on those earlier dev kits, where you have the full six degrees of freedom, which for your listeners, that is, not only can I look around, I can walk through the 3D environment and interact with it. We've got this amazing hand tracking where sometimes you don't even need controllers. You can just put your hands in front of your face and reach out and manipulate objects. And um, everything's just gotten slicker and easier and more user-friendly. People, your average person can now actually set up an Oculus Quest and jump right in and do it. The onboarding is so much easier. So reduction of friction. Now, hang on. We got a long ways to go. We're just now getting to a point where I feel, you know, having watched the industry all this time, I really do feel like we are at this inflection point, this tipping point now where it's become easy enough and powerful enough that now we're starting to see this adoption take place. Still a lot to learn, not only from a technological standpoint, but from a user standpoint. What does a teacher do with this technology now they have this i just had this discussion with the school today it's like what i don't want to see is you guys buy headsets you buy a software like engage and then it collects dust because there's a chance it could do that unless you have champions in your institution that understand the tools and the power that they have with those tools and that they can actually do something constructive because the tech is no good if you don't have creators building stuff in it do you think that there are any limits? So, you know, uh, the pandemic forced everybody to move to Zoom, right? Yes. And, and my little rural school in in, uh, in rural Mississippi, we decided that we were going to conduct school and engage, right? So, but we were the only ones who I saw full sale having school all day long and engage. Have you seen anybody say, hey, look, I'm going to build an online school completely and engage and punt on the brick and mortar. Have you talked to anybody who's doing yes, this? Yes, yes. So Victory XR is doing exactly that. They built a whole campus. They've got over 150 modules. So now, you know, we got to talk about that content again, right? They've developed content. I heard Ryan saying he's teaching math in Engage, and he's doing it in a, in a, in a labyrinth, a dungeon, where it's a full-on experience where you have to cruise through this dungeon and answer questions and there's traps along the way and all kinds of cool things. But um, it, it, I'd also like to say, you know, we're not gonna be doing all day school in Engage anytime soon. We got a long ways to go for that. You need verifocal lenses and all that kind of stuff that, that, to be that's comfortable. What I'm, that's what I'm getting at. What are the barriers to to the Oasis, because it feels to me that it engages in front of everybody in terms of recreating Ready Teacher One, Ready Player One, the scene where kids are having school. I feel like Engage is the front runner. 
and I'm asking for some uh, insider yeah, trading. Some so a little reality check on yeah, that. What's, the what's reality the check is, uh, you know, like when I recommend doing an event in, in virtual reality in general, I'm telling people plan on 45 minutes. It might go an hour and that's about the sweet spot. There's a number of reasons for that. Um, let me give you an example. So um, I've got, so this is um, a Valve Index, right? Very mm -hmm. high-end headset, built for comfort because I'm literally in VR six hours a day, all right? That's a typical day for me. I can't do this on most of the headsets out there. The reason I can do it with this is a number of reasons. One, the Hertz. Uh, we're now at about 90 Hertz, has always been identified as 90 Hertz is really where you at least need to be. Prior to this, you know, Quest were 72 Hertz. Uh, with earlier versions of headsets, it was 60 Hertz. That's how fast those images are flickering, right? And this goes up to 144 Hertz. And I, I, I didn't know this before I bought it. I was like, I know everyone's saying it's better, but until you try it, it's like, I have a hard time going back to 90 Hertz now. I keep this set at 120 Hertz. I'm very comfortable in that. Very easy on the eyes. I don't get eye strain. Um, the IPD adjuster to move those lenses uh, side by side uh, to accommodate within the micromillimeter of where it needs to be because everybody's width of their eyes is different. You've got the off the ears. These headphones don't even touch your ears. They hang off it. Beautiful sound, super comfy. This is where we need to be, but it's heavy, right? All the headsets are still too heavy. So until we bring the weight factor down and all these other features, the verifocal is a big one, right? Because your eyes are set at a certain distance, right? You see perfectly at X number of meters out there. And when something comes close to your eyes or goes further away, you're gonna get some strain because your eyes aren't adjusting the way they need to. So verifocal lenses will allow your eyes to do that naturally. So when something's close, everything behind it blurs out and vice versa, like those camera lenses, right? That have that, that focal thing going on. So we've got a lot of ways to go for long-term immersion into VR. We're getting closer all the time. It's like, you, you guys know, you run this podcast. Every time you blink, we're making advances in one way or another in this field. It, it's crazy how fast things are moving right now. Very exciting. That was one of the best explanations of the barriers to full-scale adoption. What is What are you most excited about in terms of Engage's uh, innovations to come that you think will get us closer to uh, the opportunity to have at least half day school in VR? Innovations to come. Uh, there's a lot of cool things going on right now that, that make that more and more possible. One is I love the idea of persistent spaces. These are spaces that continue to exist whether you're in that space or not. Let me give you an example. I have a, a persistent office in Engage. I can go in and write up a sticky note, write on the whiteboard, leave some objects there in that room, walk away, log out, I'm gone. You log in, you're gonna see my note to you. You can respond, write a note, leave. I go back and we can, you know, it's a living, breathing space. That's an important feature for a persistent metaverse. So that kind of technology gets me excited. Um, 
the fact, uh, you know, we're going to be launching out the portal system. We've got it in alpha right now. And you're going to see, you may have even seen some screenshots of that being used. I used it on the Mars experience, if you recall. Oh, you'd left right before. But we opened a portal where we could jump through that portal and go to an actual 360 image being broadcast from Mars of the surface of Mars and hang out there, 50 of us together, where we're wow. looking at each other going, yo, we're like legitimately on the surface of Mars. That rock right there exists on the surface of Mars and we're here experiencing this together. So you can imagine with a portal system, you now have a hub-based system where you can have persistent spaces that branch out, you know, there's your school theater and there's your school um, debate room and, and this and that. And the whole thing is persistent. It's all connected. So with portals, you can scale as big as you need to go. So that kind of technology is exciting. Um, increased avatar functionality is very exciting. We've seen avatars evolving over the years. That's always a tremendous challenge. Um, we're doing some very novel things. Um, in fact, I think this Friday, we're gonna uh, just get a bunch of us together and show off uh, some of the chroma key technology. Uh, do you want me to talk a little bit about that? It's kind of we, exciting. We love it, yeah. I, okay. I, uh, I, I love oh, it. So, so with chroma key, so chroma key is like the, the old green screen technology, which has been around for a long, long time where yeah. you can uh, replace your background with anything, but we know, this is advancing in leaps and bounds. A lot of that, those advancements are due to machine learning, AI, right? Uh, where now, look at my back. I, I'm not using a green screen here. This is the software creating this background based on where it believes my body to be. You can see a little weirdness with my hands when I do this. It's not quite perfect, but there is software out there that's getting pretty dang near close to good enough or really good actually. And because it's machine learning, I'm every week I play with this software, I can actually see it getting better each time because it's learning because where it's not correct, you're telling the computer where it's not correct and you're doing a little bit of manual work and the more it goes on, the more it's doing it itself. It's learning as it goes like a Tesla fleets of cars learning the road systems, right? So now, <laughs> I've been having so much fun with this. I'm like taking videos of my grandson, right? With my cell phone. Taking videos of him walking along a river and this and that, right? Toddling along. And now I can take this footage, run it through some machine learning and say, I want my wife and I want my grandson taken out of that picture. It does all that rotoscoping now, which is the process of removing what you want, which used to take hours and hours of horrible, boring time to do that. Now, 20 minutes, it just does it automatically. And even without touching it, it's pretty darn good. And now you can bring that into VR. Now, so what we're gonna be showing Friday, I think, is you know my friend Daniel uh, Bryant. It's gonna be up there playing his didgeridoo and it's gonna be live. And I'm gonna be talking to him like a hologram. It's like, Daniel, how you doing, man? I'm gonna be in my avatar. He's going to be doing chroma key and we're going to be having this discussion live and he's going to be doing his thing and I'm probably going to have some magic coming out of his didgeridoo as he does his thing. And uh, last time we tested this out, I had him flying around the state. He actually mounted the didgeridoo and flew around like on a broomstick around, around the arena. So this is the kind of crazy stuff I'm talking about. It's like 
when you're jumping into VR and you've got these awesome tools, you're, all of us have magic wands now. Now the question is, now that you've got a magic wand, what are you going to do with it? <laughs> That's right. 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 I want to circle back around to the Mars experience because I'm a little bit obsessed with the Mars experience. Um, for our listeners uh, that don't know, uh, Chris and Immersive VR hosted a, a landing party, basically, for the Perseverance rover that just landed on the surface of Mars in February. They had some, uh, I believe their title was Solar System Ambassadors. NASA, NASA Solar System Ambassadors, yes. The Solar System Ambassadors came along. They took us on a hike of Mars. Chris took a few folks up in a helicopter and gave them a tour of the crater where Perseverance is. Um, Chris, like, how, where was the vision from that coming from? Like, how did you guys pull all that together? Um, okay. it, do you guys have a strong relationship with NASA? Are there future things in the pipeline along those lines? Um, like I said, I'm obsessed with the Mars landing party, you guys, that have been talking about it for a month and a half now. But tell us more. Okay, so where does that idea come from, first of all? So um, I've had a saying all year long, it's been one of my slogans is beyond PowerPoint, because you really need an excuse to put on a headset. And to watch a PowerPoint presentation in VR, you have to ask the question, why am I putting on a headset for this? That makes yeah. no sense to me, guys. <laughs> you know, it's like if I'm going into VR, I want an experience. I want interaction. So that was kind of the impetus. You know, we knew we had this really awesome event coming up, you know, a historical event. Uh, one of my good friends, uh, Scott Nebaker, is a solar system ambassador. So I had the hookup there already. We've already done lots of experiments together in VR. So he was game right out of the gate. Um, I have some great friends who have co-led many events, you know, Daniel, Daniel Bryant and, and Mata, uh, good friends of mine that, you know, so it was just a no-brainer for us to put this together. And in our off time, we're playing in Engage anyway. We're building stuff all the time. And we already had a little bit of the Mars stuff built out. We're like, you know, let's just go for it here. This is a huge deal. Let's make this an experience. What does an experience look like? What's that, how, how do we create this? So you noticed on that hike, well, first of all, we started out playing with the 3D objects, like actually having the rovers there and all these 3D objects that we could explore and have the experts tell us about. And then we went on our hike and the first thing we found up that narrow canyon as we were hiking to the top was these big old dinosaur bones, right? Super, you know, funny, uh, entertaining, Everyone got a good laugh out of it, but at the same time, it gives you this great opportunity to talk about the possibilities of life on Mars. So we had these little stopping stations all the way up on that hike where we could have fun and enjoy it and get good laughs. And at the same time, learn some very serious things about Mars. Uh, and then if you recall, we're chilling it in the bones and all of a sudden you hear that, that music around the 2001 monolith right it's yeah. from the soundtrack 2001 space odyssey and you hear the chimps and it's kind of freaky music everyone's like what is sure. what's up that canyon everyone's like really into it because you're in vr you're immersed and it is kind of a little bit scary and you can get the blood pumping a little bit and we're marching up that canyon and all of a sudden boom come out in that clearing and there's the utah monolith right remember the utah monolith that that big that, there it is on the surface of mars and all its glory again another place to stop and just chat about Mars. Then you continue up and we really gamified that whole thing. You had to jump across those stones to finally make it to the other side. And that's where we had our big party. 
had the helicopter rides and all of that. So it really comes back to this design philosophy of we're creating experiences. It's all about stories. And what I love about virtual reality is you can have the environment pushing a story a certain direction, but ultimately it's the people and the interaction that the people are having with each other and the environment that tell the story. I'm betting, Ryan, that when you tell, talk about that event, you're telling it in a story form of, and then we did this, and then you wouldn't believe what so-and-so did. And this, this is story, this is experience, and this is what sticks in our mind. This is why it's so important for educators. This is why we do field trips, man. You remember going on these field trips as a kid? You don't forget those because cool things happen and you're right there and it's real. That's what virtual reality gives you is these experiences that are life-changing. You remember them forever. I remember some of my favorite virtual reality experiences from seven, eight years ago, just like it was yesterday. And when I remember it, it, it feels very much like I'm remembering a real life event, right? Right, absolutely. No, I think you're touching on some powerful points here. And I think that what's got to drive VR in education and what's got to get teachers and principals excited about VR in education is exactly what you're saying. It's about experiential learning. It's about great pedagogy. It's about great teaching first and foremost that's being empowered in ways that were never before possible. I mean, I, I think about too, like, you know, the, the piece of democratizing education, right? Where it hasn't been possible to take every student to, to Paris or to Amsterdam to go to Anne Frank's house or, you know, to go visit the coral reef um, outside of Australia and what have you. All of that's possible now. So we're, we're not only creating amazing, memorable experiences like you're saying, but these experiences are now accessible to everyone, right? That's the power right there is, you know, back in the early days, again, remember, I'm not, I'm not a technical developer. I don't have those, that skilled background. So when I saw developers doing all this magic back then, I was like, wow, I am in the, I am in the company of magicians, uh, cyber sorcerers. These guys are doing amazing things and I love them for this. And I never, never thought I would end up being a creator, right? But now the tools have gotten to the point where everybody literally can be a creator. If you can imagine it, you can take it out of here and make it tangible and experiential. That is so powerful. Isn't that kind of what teachers have always dreamed about? Yeah. I mean, to be able to do that is like the ultimate power of a teacher is like, hey, you know, let's take you here. Let me show you what's in my mind and make that a tangible interactive experience. So this is the ultimate evolution of PowerPoint. Well, no, I mean, I think, I think you're referencing the IFX and engage in the ability to spawn different three-dimensional assets. I think something that Ryan gets at that I think is very powerful is that most educators are trapped in this domain of time. And VR is the first technology that allows us to hack time and space. Like we, you know, most educators grew up in this kind of progressive model where it was about Carnegie units and you have to have this amount of time, but in a seat to be able to pass this course. What I absolutely love about what Engage has done, and we've seen this with, um, for example, some of the Oxford lectures that you guys record. You know, mm. theoretically, you could speed those up if you're 
if you need to process that data at a faster speed or you can slow it down if you need more work. But it, it this technology hacks time and space in a way that allows people to learn at the pace that they need to learn. And I think that is a profound innovation that will allow us to get out of this kind of Carnegie model and get into a model that's far more individualized and far more decentralized. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you bring up the IFX, uh, which is, you know, the manipulation of three, we have 3D objects, 3D sound effects, 3D special effects that we all call our interactive special effects, our IFX, right? And, and what's cool about 3D objects in virtual reality is the fact that you can grasp an object. And that's a big deal. Now I'm putting on my behavioral science cap here, right? There's no effort from the user involved, no effort at all. But your brain does something different when something comes within your, is perceived within your grasping zone, your attention goes way up and you're noticing things that you would not have noticed on a screen, even a high 4K, 8K screen. The fact that you're perceiving it as within your grasping zone takes it to a new level. And then when you reach out and grab that object, now you just create an extension of your brain, a literal extension of your brain, because my brain's saying, I want to look at this side of it and this side of it and, and turn it over. And it's all working in tandem together, hyper, hyper attention to details to the point that when we first implemented that feature in Engage, I actually asked the developers, did you guys do, do something different with the models? Because I was noticing so much more. I mean, that's... Uh, no effort involved in that. Just that's just the way the way your brain works. I noticed that uh, you know this is a far less serious, maybe not for some, but a far less serious scenario than the education experiences we're talking about. But uh, the other night I was playing Vader Immortal on my Quest oh. Two and uh, having the lightsaber duels that I'd always dreamed of having since I was an eight-year-old kid. Um, <laughs> but like you're saying, like grasping that lightsaber, man. Uh, all of a sudden, I'm hyper aware of my surroundings, right? I'm hyper aware of the little details on the IFX. It's just, um, yeah, to your point, something's going on with the cognitive science, the behavioral yeah. science there that hasn't been possible in previous iterations of ed tech. Hasn't been yeah. possible in the classroom before when we were just, uh, you know, playing Oregon Trail on our, on our Macs back in the early 90s. And, and, and that feeling and that, that, that the way that that happens in your brain really uh, need, it, it makes us take pause and reconsider how we design experiences, right? And, and another mantra of mine that I've been preaching for a long time now in VR is slow down. People almost, I think it's important that people be taught how to experience virtual reality. Um, and that's slow down. Like, you know, you play a traditional game on screen. I, I feel so bad for the artists that create these games because so much just gets overlooked. We just zoom by these things as we're playing these games. We don't pay attention. In VR, it's a whole different ball game. You're like really paying attention. You're noticing the cobwebs in the corner and the shine on that piece of metal. And it's like, wow, it's a whole different level. And it really begs to just slow down, feel that sense of presence, enjoy what's around you, stop and smell the roses. So, you know, our brains have been trained 
you know, the, this uh, hyper, just at our tensions being thrown everywhere and we just stumble through things without slowing down. I think VR gives us the ultimate opportunity to slow down again. Amen. Absolutely. Before Absolutely. we get to our, uh, our Furious Five, who is the largest uh, client of Engage? Yeah, I know you would, I'm just curious, you know, who's the, who, who is your biggest uh, client? Um, I can't say who our biggest clients are. Um, we do have some awesome partners, uh, you know, like Houston Community College. They're like one of the largest uh, uh, nice. uh, colleges uh, in, in the United States. And they're doing amazing things. Like one of the projects we just did with them was we made a, a digital twin of their machine lab, right? And we've got late working lathes in there that uh, you can now uh, give education to people that don't have to be in that physical space because you can work the machinery and have an instructor looking over your shoulder. Uh, one of my favorite projects uh, that we've been working on since last summer was Stanford, right? Stanford, because of COVID, they couldn't do their um, anatomy labs uh, where, you know, you got the human cadavers and all of this stuff. and and these students pay good money to come in and do this over the summer. So they're like, what are we gonna do? Are we gonna cancel classes? No, we're gonna create digital twins of that lab. We're gonna use photogrammetry and let's get back to photogrammetry if we, if we do have time, that's amazing. That's one of the other things that excites me. But now you can digitally capture that human cadaver parts and bring that into virtual reality. So they did, they sent quests out to all the students and this is an ongoing program. This is just gonna keep growing and growing over this next year. And folks can now just do that laboratory work with real human cadaver body parts, just like they were in the lab. So in that case, a lot of it is hybrid. Remember how I said, we don't wanna to spend tons of time in VR, but they're doing a hybrid. So part of it's Zoom and the real hands-on interactive, awesome stuff is being done in VR. So there's a, there's a couple of, of great partners. And of course, Victory XR is, is going crazy, awesome, building these amazing campuses and, and experiences. And I expect they're gonna see some tremendous growth this year. We're all, already seeing some great signs of that happening for Victory. That's awesome. For sure. Well, Chris, we like to finish things off with a segment that we call our Furious Five. Uh, these are five <laughs> questions that don't necessarily have anything to do with what we've been talking about tonight. They're just kind of fun, get to know you sort of questions. Uh, we encourage rapid fire, like one sentence, two sentence answers, um, and they're just kind of off the wall. So without any further ado, question number one, what's the best meal that you've eaten recently? Oh, we did an assorted, uh, assorted uh, gourmet mushrooms uh, last night. It was amazing. Nice. Nice, nice. Question number two, what's the best movie or TV show you've watched recently? Oh boy, now, now you're pushing it because I don't really watch much TV now. Fair um, enough. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't think I, I'm all VR. I'm, I'm in VR every night. <laughs> Great answer. All right, well, well, we'll change the question then. What's uh, what's the best ah, VR game you've played? There you go. Right now, um, using Vorp X, which converts traditional 2D games into virtual reality, Valheim. Absolutely. It's amazing. Wow. Nice. Nice. Question number three. What's your favorite book you've ever read? Ooh, uh, Cosmos, Carl Sagan, a hero of mine. Nice. Solid. Mm -hmm. Solid answer. 
question number four, who's a thought leader that you respect and admire that you think our listeners need to stop what they're doing and either go follow this person on social media or go watch a YouTube lecture from them or, or something along those lines. One of my favorites, Terrence McKenna, he saw this vision of the VR way back and, and um, everything he talked about is, is literally coming true. So yeah, Terrence McKenna, big fan. Awesome. Our last question of the Furious Five is a question we like to call the contrarian question. It's really Adam's question. So at this point, I always turn the mic back over to him. So go ahead, Adam. Chris, what do you know to be true about social VR that those who are beginning to jump into that market, Spatial and others, uh, would disagree with you on? Um, I do tend to be more on the optimistic side and with optimism, it, it's, it's great to have people that are throwing out the challenges to you too and, and are maybe not so optimistic. So I, you know, when I say um, I have great faith that the tech is going to get us to where we need to, to be over the next very few years, some people, might, some, some people will say maybe it'll never get there. Maybe VR will never be a, a big thing. So um, I would say the speed of adoption, I tend to probably be more optimistic that it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Um, but I also like to think it's because I get to see all the stuff that's going on behind the scenes that maybe they don't. So we'll we're see. We're a little bit more bullish that's maybe awesome. than other, other competitors. Maybe. Tremendous. Maybe. Chris, thank you so, so, so very much for coming on this evening. We've enjoyed our time with you so much. Um, where can our listeners find you on social media? Yeah, so I'm a big Twitter guy. So it's uh, going back to my original Oculus name when we had to pick names for our forum, right? Uh, it's at Deep Rifter. So at Deep underscore Rifter is my Twitter handle. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, Chris Madsen. Chris, you're incredible. And Gage is lucky to have you. Thank, Thank you so much. Wonderful. It's been a fun time, guys. <laughs> we really appreciate you. Have a great evening. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.